Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon and welcome to this week's live broadcast of Women to Watch on WWDB AM860. Today is July 27, 2015, and we are thrilled this hour to be interviewing Kathy Eldon, the founder of Turn On Your Power, later in this hour. I am Dr. Beth Dupree. I'm a breast cancer surgeon and medical director of integrative medicine at Holy Redeemer Health System. And my fabulous co-host, Sue Rocco, has uh, given up her seat for the day and allowed me to be in the driver's seat today. So I'm joined in the studio with Sue, the founder of this wonderful show, and some amazing young women who are part of the Holy Redeemer Ministry Corps volunteers, which you're going to learn about at the beginning of this session. Remember, we can take your live calls at 888 329 3306-888-329-3306. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Holy Redeemer Health System, for their support and sponsorship of the show. So before we get to Kathy, because uh, she's calling in from California, she's an amazing woman, and you're going to want to listen to this hour because I have been just completely glued to my computer screen ever since I found out she was going to be our guest learning about what she does. But right now we're going to meet some amazing young women who have just completed one year of service at Holy Redeemer Health System. So they're actually in studio with me. And... Today we have Anna Smarin, who I know very well because she was my RMC through the cancer program, Mary Claire Weiner, who is a, a fabulous young nurse who I also got to know from the um, post-anesthesia care region of the hospital, and Sarah McNary, who I don't know a whole lot about, but they are absolutely fabulous young women. And what I want you to know about is this program that uh, has been going on for about 33 years at Holy Redeemer Health System. So what I'd like to do is introduce you to Jackie LaPinta. She's the director of the program. And Jackie is um, about to become a mom, and we absolutely are wishing her the best delivery. And uh, Jackie's going to tell you a little bit about what the Holy Redeemer Ministry Corps Volunteer Program is about. Great. Thank you, Beth. Um, Redeemer Ministry Corps is a long-term volunteer program. We accept men and women over the age of 21. Um, uh, usually we have volunteers come to us who recently graduated college and are looking to give back in some way before focusing on their careers or medical school, graduate school, whatever it is they choose to pursue afterwards. Um, our volunteers come to us and commit to living in community together. Volunteers live in a house together. We host up to four volunteers a year. Um, they commit to enriching their faith life through uh, weekly prayer sessions, retreats, days of reflection, getting to know the Sisters of the Holy Redeemer, who are the sponsors of the RMC program. And most importantly, they commit to engaging in a year of service in one of the ministries of the Sisters of the Holy Redeemer. So this includes Holy Redeemer Health System, Druding Center, uh, Redeemer Village, um, a number of opportunities in health care, social services, or education, depending on what the volunteers' interests and talents are. So th this is a fabulous program, and I wish I had known about this when I graduated from college, but it wouldn't help because I'm a little old for this. But uh, <laughs> I think it started when I graduated from college. But to have a year between college and 
your next job or college and graduate school or medical school, whatever it is, you know, to have that year to mature, to kind of get out of the college zone and into um, a different zone is really an awesome opportunity. So if any of you moms are listening and your kids have recently graduated from college and they don't have that next uh, space filled for what they want to do, we still have openings this year. So um, you can actually reach out to Jackie and Jackie, you want to give the website? Sure. It's hrmcore.org. That's hrmcorps.org. And we will tweet that out later so it will end up on our Facebook page as well so you can uh, follow up. So what I want to do is start um, first. Mary, Mary Claire, I'm going to go to you because here's the funny thing. I didn't actually realize that Mary Claire actually was an RN. And even all these times I've talked to her um, in the in the post-anesthesia region of the hospital um, discharging my patients, I just thought that she was just this fabulously brilliant young woman who totally got health care. So, Mary Claire, why did you decide you're a nurse? You could have gone out and gotten a job right out of college. Why did you choose to spend this year um, volunteering? Sure. So I would give you two reasons. Um, The first came from my mom. When we were kids, she would always tell us that the best things to do with the best things in life is to give them away. Um, Coming out of college, I don't necessarily have money. I don't necessarily have things that I can give. But what I do have is my education, my time, and my talent. And I thought that this year would give me a great avenue to give back to the community with my gifts and my talents. And then also in nursing, you see a lot of people in the hospital system who are worn out, who are tired. Um, And I really always wanted to keep in mind why I went into nursing, and that was about the patients, that I'm there for them, that I care for them. And doing a year of service makes it not about a career. It doesn't make it about the money. It makes it about being there and being present and really caring about the person that you're serving and you're working with. And I hope that this year can set the tone for the rest of my career. I think it already has. So what did you get out of this year? Um, I think, like I said... Besides working with great surgeons like myself (laughs) and Holy Redeemer, I mean, seriously. Number one thing. Um, No, but I think, like I said, it helps me when I walk into my first real job as a nurse. Which is where? Which is going to be at Duke University. Awesome. I I am going to tell the breast surgeons down there that they have a fabulously trained nurse. So Thank you. Um, But I just hope it helps me walk in and remember this year and how the focus of it was to be truly present to the people that you're working with, that it's a ministry. It's not a job. You're present to your patients. You care about them. You are a healing presence, which is actually actually a part of the um, mission of the hospital and the mission of the sisters. So I just want to carry that out through the rest of my career, and I hope it gives me that lens. Uh, I, I, I hope that everyone that goes into nursing in the future has the same attitude because, you know, for, for me, a lot of times I don't see the lessons and the, the, the wisdom that you're reflecting to me until I meet some of the nurses that I go on medical missions with where they come back from the mission trips having that same, um, th- th- that same insight that you have. So, Sarah. Tell me what you learned about your journey this year um, that you maybe that you didn't expect to get. Like, what did you get from this year um, by volunteering to, to give your time? What, what did you learn from this year that you're going to take in your future kind of to landscape your journey? Yeah, uh, I actually worked as a patient care assistant on the telemetry floor at the hospital. And as a patient care assistant, I was able to do... Um, personal cares as well as EKGs, uh, check blood sugars, uh, answer call bells, which I did so very happily. Um, but honestly, the, the most I got out of that experience besides healthcare uh, experience and looking at different 
possible jobs in the future was that I was able to go into the room and be impacted by everybody that I served. Uh, it took me a while, but I was able to master the art of answering a couple happily in the end. And I really wanted to get these people on the bedpan, and that made a difference. <laughs> and I was like, that's a yeah. good day. Exactly. You got it. I never thought I would say that, but really, it was my pleasure to serve them. And I'm genuinely happy that I was able to do that. And now I want to take that into my future career field, wherever that will end up. So did you have any mentors along the way this year that you want to give a shout-out to? Any particular doctors that might have? Um, <laughs> and it's, I, I didn't work with her, so I'm not looking for a compliment. So, Yes, honestly, Anna just raved about you, so I did. Um, whenever I would see you, be like, oh, that's Dr. Dupree. I see her down the hall. I need to give a shout-out. Um, but on my floor, um, I was telling you earlier that Dr. Mustin was really great to uh, be able to work with the few times that I was able to be with him in patients' rooms or just in the hallway. He was really genuine. He cares about his patients, and it was really um, just heartwarming to see somebody who took it more for face value, not as just a job. So you know that it, it's his, he's the healer from the inside out. Yes, he is. He really is. He's genuine. Well, there you go. So now my little Anna Smarin. Anna and I spent a lot of time together this year. She's uh, not only been in my office practice, um, she's worked in the cancer center. She's come to the operating room with me. She's baby. She dog sat my dog um, and uh, spent a lot of quality time uh, with my family, Thanksgiving and some holiday stuff. And, uh, and I really had the pleasure of getting to know her because she worked very, very closely with my foundation. So what was I, what was this year like for you? It was an amazing experience. I gained so much knowledge throughout the year um, by working with uh, both you and up in maternity as well. I got to learn from the cancer patients and work with them not only in the hospital setting, but also in, out of the hospital as well. I was able to organize, help to organize two different retreats. Uh, one was for women with breast cancer under the age of 40, and the other was for those with metastatic breast cancer. And it was a lot of work, but honestly, all the work I put in, I gained more from it by watching the women and learning from them and working with them. I had been talking to Sue um, a couple weeks ago when we came off of our weekend retreat with our patients with metastatic breast cancer. And um, I think you agree that 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 weekend meeting these women and uh, then we had a follow-up session and just to see the change in some of the women that had been at the retreat who were now doing some of the practices, the meditation, the tapping, the different tools that we gave them at that retreat how about it? To see the transition. How about Mary? I mean, come on. It was amazing. You just, you, you watch these women um, who are, you know, have a lot of struggles during, the, during their days. But when you see what we did that weekend and you can actually palpate in, in, within their soul the change that occurred, it lets you know that what we were doing was for the right reasons. That's very true. So, Anna Samaram, what's next for you? I am not sure what's next. Are you going for me. to Minnesota? I am headed back to Minnesota right now. We, we love her accent. It's been one of the best things all year long. <laughs> yes, I'm headed back there for a little while. I, uh, after watching all these wonderful doctors and nurses and physician assistants, I am determined to get into the medical field 
one way or another, I my goal is to apply to PA schools and uh, go from there. So in the meantime, I am headed back home to my family and um, enjoying life and looking for a job. So. Well, you'll get one. I know you will. Yeah. I'll write your good letter reference. I already <laughs> did that. I did that you already. Did. You yeah. did. I did that. So, Sarah, tell me what you're up to this year. Uh, well, I'm actually going to be headed home this week, and I'm going back to Wisconsin. And, a cheese uh, head. Cheese head. Yep, cheese head all the way. Really love the cheese, the beer, the brats, that good stuff. Um, I'm going I think you must have fit in well with the with the German nuns, didn't oh, you? Oh, you the, got it. Yep. With the beer, the brats. You're going to miss Oktoberfest this year. I know. What am I going to have? I'm going to have to come I back I just to found that. out that all my, my whole OR staff that I scrub with every Monday, they volunteer to be the bartenders at the Oktoberfest. And I didn't yeah. know that was a job because I, Sue, we might have to volunteer I, I didn't know it was a job for Oktoberfest. Like yeah, sign up for that. Um, so I will be going home actually for a month, and then I'm going to be moving to Minnesota as well. Uh, so I will be going to Rochester, and I'm going to, or I have a position called Conventional Cytogenetic Research. Is that all? Technology. What yeah. was that? Con- That's it. Conventional Cytogenetic uh, Research. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Um, I I am going to be getting a patient case and working on it for like about three to four hours, and it's going to have a patient's uh, genetic makeup. So say I get a prenatal tap, I'll be able to tell if that baby is going to have Down syndrome before um, they know it, before the baby does come out, so the physician can um, talk to the parents about it and give them a heads up um, if they wish to know or uh, look at it the chromosomes and say, hey, they have a deletion here. This is what's going to happen. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Very cool stuff. I love it. Yeah. So, you guys, living in community. I mean, it's not a sorority house. What, <laughs> what, what, what did you learn about living in community? Because, you know, I'm, I lived in community all my life. I'm the baby of seven kids, and there were six girls, and there were four of us in the, the room we call the dormitory. So I grew up in community. So I don't know that I would have done so well in community because I lived it forever. So what would you learn about living in community? I think teamwork was really important uh, throughout our time together. It was the communication uh, with one another and um, just working together through um, our hard times and our good times. I think learning to um, cherish differences, um, learning to appreciate what makes all of us unique and just having fun with it, being patient, communicating, like you said. So what are you going to take away from this year? Big takeaway. Hmm, big takeaway. Uh, I am taking away um, the concept that we should love life and live it to the fullest and enjoy each and every moment that is placed in front of us because life is a gift and uh, we should use our life to share with others and make others happy. I love that. That's a nice positive takeaway. Yeah, and that's she even spent time with me. <laughs> that, that was that was when she wasn't I doing the media labor. What they're taking away? If I could ask a quick question, what are you all taking away personally from Dr. Beth Dupree? What's I know she has lots of nuggets of advice. So is there something that stands out that you're going to take with you in your careers? I've been able to work with Dr. Dupree uh, this year, and I have learned um, to 
that you want to treat the whole body. There is a lot more than treating the physical illness, and I love the way that she practiced medicine holistically and with all of her heart and all her soul and all her passion. All her patients love her to death, and I have enjoyed spending each moment uh, watching their interaction together and how great she is to each and every one of them. Thank you. Did you write that? No, <laughs> my God, no. They're they're all giving their speeches tonight about about their experience. Yeah, indeed. So it's all good. I wish you guys the very very best. You you are absolutely amazing, um, and I know that I will. Uh, you know, just like my prior RMCs, the one that's in third year in medical school, and the other one's getting married in August. In this August, um, we just continue to keep having great people come through, and that's Jackie's job is to find me a fabulous RMC every year. And so uh, we got Ashley coming in next year, so we're very excited about that. She wants to go to medical school so you guys have to give her great advice and actually right now we are joined um, on the air with our guest today uh, Kathy Eldon and Kathy I'd like to watch welcome you to women to watch oh thank you so much I'm delighted to be with you and Kathy we have three young beautiful women who've just completed a year of service at my hospital that are heading out to the world and uh, I told them I said of all the days to bring them to the studio um, to have you on the air um, really is um, just a treat for them because I said they may not know a lot about you now, but I can guarantee you when they leave here and they go home and they Google you, um, they're going to be tremendously inspired as I was. Kathy is a teacher, journalist, author, activist, just producer, fabulous mom, amazing woman, and uh, Sue and I are just thrilled to have you on the air with us today. Well, you shouldn't believe what you read. But thank you for <laughs> I appreciate it, but I, uh, good Lord, I, I'm, I'm so excited to, to, to be able to find out what they're doing. This, this is the best part. Aww. Oh, there. Well, I have uh, one. One's going to um, a nurse going to Duke. And she is uh, headed off to start her real nursing career. We have another one doing cytogenetic research. And Anna, who was with me, is going to go to PA school. And I'm very excited about that because I've tried to, you know, you try to mentor these kids. And, like, I don't have any daughters. So, to me, these RMCs that come through the program, they're like the daughters that I didn't have because I have two sons. So I watch them very carefully, and I continue to text them. And and we go back and forth forever because, you know, they're they're like my adopted children. Well, I, our organization is primarily run by under 25-year-olds. We have a 33-year-old, a 44-year-old, and me, and everybody else is under 25, and they're, they're the brilliant ones. So, so this cross-fertilization of incredible ideas and, and energy and, uh, you know, can-do attitude with one or two of the people who have been around the block, that, that really makes an interesting um, combination. Well, it's fabulous because it's all the, it's the melding of the generations. I, you know, I... Anna did a lot of my technical stuff. You know, I I would look in the morning and there would be a tweet and I'm like, oh, when did I do that? And it's because they found something that was very interesting and pertinent to mind-body medicine. I'm I'm very um, integrated in, in how I practice breast cancer care. So they knew what to look for. And Anna did a ton of research for me. She actually is going to be um, co- an author on a paper that we did on nipple sparing mastectomy. So um, it's pretty neat to be a mentor for these young women. And that's one of the things that, uh, I mean, I look at your career and, um, you know, started in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I was with a bunch of Hawkeye fans this weekend. So they were trying to let me know that, you know, once you're from Iowa, you're always a Hawkeye fan. Is that true? Uh, you can take I, uh, the girl out of Iowa, but you can't take Iowa out of the girl. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your what was your upbringing? Back. What was your upbringing like in Iowa to go from Iowa to England to Kenya? I mean, that's those are some big jumps. 
You know, I, Iowa, when I was growing up, it was, a, it was pretty multicultural. I mean, there was a lot of interest in, in my community, in other countries, and our family hosted an American field service student from Norway. My brother went off to Italy. I went to South Africa when I was 16 years old for seven months studying in an Afrikaans school. So I survived it. It was quite challenging, but I survived it. But uh, it gave me a, a, a fascination for uh, global discovery and local discovery. Uh, so when I met the Englishman um, in between junior and senior year in college, all I wanted to do was run away and escape with him and go somewhere else. <laughs> so that's what you did? I did. I so married did you, him. Did you meet him while you were at Wellesley, or did you meet him on one of your trips? No, I met him. I was between junior and senior year at Wellesley. I just split up with... Uh, someone from Harvard who I was madly in love with, and thank goodness, you know, I, at the time I was desolate, but it was the best thing that ever happened. Married Mike um, right after, uh, well, a year after college, and moved to London. And it was this what they call the swinging '60s, which is a very di- lively, dynamic period. Not so much for me because we were sort of impoverished, and I had a baby right away, but. It was a very exciting time to be alive, and I was 23 years old living in a brand-new country. I uh, started teaching as a substitute teacher at the American School in London as an art teacher and then had had a baby. But we moved to the suburbs, which nearly killed me. I'm I'm not a very good suburban person. So when we were assigned to Nairobi, Kenya, where my husband was to run a computer company, I leapt at it. And we moved with two little of – Amy was three and Dan was seven – to Nairobi, where I my life totally exploded, and I became a journalist for the biggest English language newspaper, and I later edited a magazine, the Kenya Airways magazine. But it was an opportunity to tell tell stories about extraordinary people, creative, active uh, nation builders of all nationalities, and I became obsessed with storytelling and with the possibility that anybody could do just about any, anybody. You didn't really have to ask permission. You didn't really get licenses. You just rolled up sleeves and did it. That's a pretty awesome way to go through life. I, I do that occasionally myself. And it, it's funny, as I was you know, learning about you and reading your story, um, a lot of parallels in a lot of different ways. And I, I tell everybody that the, the greatest um, opportunities for spiritual growth come through adversity. And obviously, 1993 was the most adverse year of your life I can imagine. And yeah, um, my son followed in my footsteps as a journalist. He really became a photojournalist, and he worked for um, Reuters news agency in Somalia, where he actually broke the story of a terrible famine that was raging in, in 1992. He was at that time only 21 years of age. He stayed on, inspired by the idea that his storytelling could really have an impact, which it did, initiating a global response. And he um, stayed on as the country spiraled into a terrible uh, civil war. In July, on July 12th of 1993, Dan, together with three other young journalists, were stoned and beaten to death by a mob after they had gone to cover a story of a terrible bombing by U.N. forces of, of a house. Um, the tragedy was obviously the worst thing that could happen to a, a mother, or actually four mothers. But I understood why the people did what they did. It, it was a... Um, and, and I understood why they rose up against 
what they perceived as the other. You know, it wasn't about race, it wasn't about color, it was about strangers in their midst. I uh, went into a terrible state of grief and, and, and sadness, which everybody who's lost anybody or lost something that is very important to them understands completely. But it's really during those worst moments that I thought, what can I do to transform this horror into something that I can, I can survive? Because at that point, it was like, I didn't want to live. And often we don't if something is so horrific that it just takes all the joy and life force out of us. I, at that time, started working on projects that would create awareness of the role of journalists in war and peace. And we created exhibitions, and we did a film called Dying to Tell the Story, which really launched for me an, a documentary um, career. And then in 1998, we started a foundation dedicated to creative activism. And I talked about those creative active people that I'd written about. Creative activism is the belief that within every one of us is there a, there is a a spark that can be used not only for ourselves but also for others. And we believe that um, one very important spark is the use of, of media and the arts to tell stories, to, to shine a light on, on important issues. So our foundation, Creative Visions Foundation, really supports creative activists who are using media and the arts for social impact. And that would be you, by the way. You're one of us. <laughs> We're trying. We're working We're, on it. <laughs> you're doing a phenomenal job. Yeah, absolutely. Kathy, it's Sue here. I'm in the studio as well, kind of letting um, Beth take the reins today. And I, I did have a question when you were talking about um, your son. And I, of course, was reading about your, your background and your story as well. And something that really stuck with me that I think is a really wonderful um, piece of advice for people who lose someone that they love. You, you spoke about the moment that it happened, that you really believe that angels came and, and took Dan's soul at that moment to another place. And I think it's such an incredible way to look at any type of suffering or tragedy is to believe that, that, that at that moment, that they're, before the suffering is what I have always said to my children is that I believe, too, that their soul is taken um, before there's any great suffering. And I love that you said that. Yeah, and, you know, um, I'm, I don't know exactly the language that, that I would necessarily choose on that, but... I, I believe that that life and death, you know, there there's there's no real difference that that our spirits remain. And I I don't talk a lot about it. I've, I've done a book called In the Heart of Life, which is a memoir, which talks about my belief that that Dan's energy and spirit certainly is a vital force, and I believe around me. Uh, I don't know the mechanism by which our spirits tr- transcend or or how it works. Obviously, we'd probably have to die to figure it all out. But I do believe that that energy remains. And I think we're surrounded by energy and, and if we can call them guides, angels, uh, light, God, force, spirit, whatever we want to call that, those forces around us. But I do believe we're, we're surrounded. And I don't believe that, 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 that it is a painful process to die. I think the suffering is in the anticipation and in the illness, but I believe that the that death is is moving into a great another dimension and another light and I, I think it's 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 we who are left behind who are in pain. Mm. I don't think 
I, I, I completely hear what you're saying. Um, this is Beth again. And uh, um, I wrote, I've written a book called The Healing Consciousness. My brother was killed by a drunk driver at the age of 27. And it really, um, you know, for me, I was 17 years old. And it was that pivotal moment in my life. And, you know, I watched my parents go into that darkness. And my, my father's 86 and my mother's 90. And, you know, it's 30-plus years later. And the darkness is still there. It's just that they've chosen to find the light out of the darkness. And I yeah, remember for, it, for me... Yeah, I, I really... Oh, my gosh, I hear you. A friend, dear friend of mine's son was killed two days ago, shot and killed two days ago. And, you know, I... I wrote to him and I said, you know, just know that this kid is okay, you're not. Mm. And then down the line, I'd love to talk because ultimately it's for us, us the living, to create meaning. All lives have meaning. But when a life is cut short and it's a tragedy, you know, let's try to create maybe more meaning that gives our lives more meaning too. And for me, it was really essential to have Dan's life have a higher meaning as well as the, you know, great meaning that he created for himself. So out of that intention has come for me an extraordinarily fulfilled and purposeful life for me. And out of it has come inspiration for many other people to believe that they too can have a purposeful, um, uh, fulfilled life. So I, I think that there's a great hunger in the Western world and, and in America, maybe in particular, and we have obesity and we have, you know, enormous challenges. And I think sometimes if we really examine what hole we're trying to fill and find a way to fill it up with, you know, meaning and purpose in our lives and community and creativity and the belief that we all have a role to play, that, that we could really uh, sh battle that malaise that certainly, I believe, encircles many of us. It's um, as I was doing the research and I looked and I said, it's been 22 years since Dan passed. And so he's now passed as many years as he lived. But I looked at the things that you have done as, you know, as a family and as an individual to really change um, the view that a lot of people have of things in the world that they otherwise wouldn't see. So, you know, Dan's purpose is completely living on. I mean, his spirit is working through you and through Amy and the work that you do. And it's so obvious as I, as I was watching the documentaries and, and, you know, reading the stories, it was absolutely, um, very evident that he is with you constantly in what you do. Well, I, I certainly feel that very strongly and I call him a noisy spirit and he's, <laughs> and he's naughty and all kinds of things. <laughs> Very bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kathy, we're going to have to take a break right now. We're just about at our halfway point. We're going to be right back with you on WWDB 860 AM. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography and automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram. Welcome back to Women to Watch. This is Dr. Beth Dupree and Sue Rocco on WWDB 860 AM. And we have Kathy Eldon on the phone from California. 
And we're talking about many things, her life work, Creative Vision Foundation, Creative Visions Productions. And, Kath, when I was listening to the um, the beautiful documentary, I was – my husband was thought I was crazy last night because I was sitting there with my headset on, and I was just being pulled into the documentary. Um, and I listened to the photojournalist talking about how – I mean, I, I'm, I'm a caregiver. When I go to Haiti or, or any place where there's mission work to do, I jump in and I start caring for the people that are there and in need. And what was interesting was listening to the, some of the photojournalists that had worked with Dan talking about how they involve themselves so much in the, in capturing the moment to be that person that educates the rest of the world that um, some of them said that at times they felt like vultures and they know that their lives are in danger when they're doing it, but they do it to create the image so that the world will understand what other, what, what sometimes what atrocities are out there that need to be taken care of. Yeah, and it's a horrible, horrible thing that you might be filming something that at times you might feel that you could possibly uh, interrupt or, or stop. And I, I know that the, uh, there was a time that Dan was sitting on the, uh, uh, with his friends up on the roof of the journalist's hotel, and they watched in horror as a young girl who was apparently a prostitute was hauled off a truck and beaten. And, I mean, and there was, there was actually nothing they could do at that time, but it horrified and haunted them. There, there's, you know, the situation with famine where you go in and you leave that area and you go have a sandwich in the hotel. And, and what it does to your head, it's, there's a form of post-traumatic stress that these people suffer, um, absolutely. What we, they have to say to themselves, and, and many of them, obviously, Dan took food to the refugee kids and next door to the hotel. He, you know, he was born in Africa. I mean, he grew up in Africa. He perceived himself, as it were, as, as an African. So he was very much more engaged than most of the journalists. But it was very um, – he had to believe that by telling the stories that then were publicized around the world that the aid could come and that he could have a greater purpose than if he just dove in and tried to do something as one person. So that's really why we have the foundation, which is, you know, really harnessing the power of media to change, to, to create awareness and, and, and really catalyze change. And it, and it works. And this is what you're doing with your radio program. This is, you know, you're hoping people are going to respond, and they will as a result of what you're doing. Well, there's something, there's something that you're currently working on that I'm really interested in. And I, I, know, that, uh, I know that you have been ill. I don't know with what. And I know that you have um, loved ones that have had cancer. And the best care possible... Um, about palliative care in America, obviously as a breast cancer surgeon and someone who I am so incredibly passionate about healing. I, I don't believe that, you know, the focus on curing as we have been in the United States is always the right focus because there are a lot of people who have their cancers or their disease cured, but they are dying for healing. Like they, their soul is like aching inside. And then there are other people who are cured of their disease um, but have never gotten to a place where they have peace in their hearts. So um, there's kind of this disconnect in Western medicine. And so I'm really interested about um, what Best Care Possible is about and when I'm going to get to watch it. Oh, thank you so much. Well, interestingly, I broke my foot um, <laughs> in Paris about uh, four weeks ago, 
and I fell off a little teeny curb on my first day of my holiday, for the first holiday in six years. It was really annoying. But I went to a lovely French doctor who taped it and then said, come back, you know, go, go to another doctor in England and have it retaped. Well, I couldn't find a doctor in England. I walked on the foot for three weeks. And, you know, apparently it was not a good thing to do. Went to my doctor. They said it's much, much worse. So I've got a boot now that I'm hobbling around. But I have been in, I'm being introduced to a, a, a healer, a Chinese Qigong master who carries within the tradition of 5,000 years of healing. And this is sort of peripheral to what you're talking about, but I'm going to have a session with him on Wednesday afternoon, a two-hour session, And because I'm very, very interested in the concept of healing. And years ago, in 1988, I was first exposed to the idea of alternative medicine and complementary medicine and healing, and I was a, a sort of subject with a, on a BBC television show about healers. And it was absolutely fascinating, and I felt the impact of what was being done. The woman's name was Allegra Taylor, and she's quite a well-known author and healer. But I, I got it. I mean, and all the crew, they were all had tears rolling down their face because they saw what was happening and they felt it themselves. So I, I'm a great believer in the power of energy, and energy is, we're nothing but energy, and energy can be impacted, touched, you know, uh, moved, um, it, 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 why not it, you know and so this is this is one kind of physical healing that we're talking about but emotional healing you know hearing the the source of 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 the malaise as i was talking about before we 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 can be healed of course through through touch through care through love through understanding through nurturing through 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 you know medicine of course but I, I, what we're doing is focusing on the end of life care, and it's called Best Care Possible, which is a book title of I, Dr. Ira Bayak, who's written a number of books on end of life. He is a noted professor and a noted uh, doctor. He's now out in, in the Providence uh, Provident Network out here in California, and we're honored to be able to work with him. It's um you I don't you may not know this but I'm actually a Reiki master um, practitioner myself I do all forms of energy healing with my patients because my my scalpel um, can cut out cancer but it can't alleviate fear and I learned a long time ago that the the energy that you share with someone and whether you channel that universal energy whether it comes through pay, prayer it's really about love it's really it's the love of the physician that that heals it's not the scalpel it's not the chemo it's not the radiation you know they are just the physical manifestations that uh, are you know are used to change the body but if you can't get to that place and and actually create that shift within someone you know that's what that's what healing's all about. You know, I, so I, I, my husband has just gone through six years of uh, Burkitt's lymphoma and then the killing off of his bone marrow through the chemo and then preparing for a stem cell transplant and then, you know, going through all of that. And I hear what you're saying. I think the interesting thing with oncologists sometimes is the, that some doctors, it's almost like you're a science experiment. And the, the, the care that Michael got at the City of Hope with this beloved, loving, and wonderfully tough doctor has really been that which I think pulled him through and gave him, you know, that impetus. I mean, he had the impetus, but, but, but he, well, I'm here, I agree with you. And I think sometimes that, that message needs to go back to the doctors who 
you know, it's a really tough, um, it's a tough speciali- speciality to, to be in oncology when, you know, obviously some of your patients die and maybe, maybe some of the doctors are more almost like um, scientists, if you know what I mean. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. I, I train young surgeons. Um, every year there are about 60 young breast cancer surgeons that come through um, the training programs. And one of the things that we do is a, um, we call it the breast cancer survivorship experience where we bring them in for three days and teach them about all aspects of healing. You know, the, every, all the things that I do in my practice, I'm trying to, um, you know, enlighten these young doctors to know that it's not just what you learn about in medical school, that you have to create that connection with the patient. You have to be open to integrate other aspects of healing, whether it's Qigong or Reiki or massage or guided imagery, whatever um, you know, healing modality can make a difference. So I am very excited to watch Best Care Possible because I think it'll be you know, potentially one of those very eye-opening um, documentaries that will hopefully physicians will actually watch and embrace because I think that they need to see that patients don't need chemo till the last day. Many times yeah. they just need loving, compassionate care to let them know that it's okay to transition. Well, exactly, and I, what you're saying is so wise, and I, I, I wish that you could be doing an online course that would then be something that was available to every young doctor and old doctor in the country. You know, they need you. Well, I'm working on it. That's part of my. It's part of my uh, my my next phase of life. I'm now 54, so I decided that, you know, I've I've already made it as a as a well you know well respected breast cancer surgeon. So, I um I'm climbing out on my limb to be able to do stuff like with media with with Sue because that's where you have a voice and people can hear you. And um, I've just taken on the integrative medicine department at Holy Redeemer Health System. So I have the backing of an amazing health system whose motto is care, comfort, and heal. So it's all good. Well, this, you know, with this background that you have now in radio and media, I mean, this is beyond exciting. And I, if, in any way that our organization or I personally can help, just know that we're on, on tap because what you're doing is honestly the most important thing that anybody can be doing is, is to bring back the um, body, mind, spirit aspect into, uh, the, into medicine. It's and about- we are nothing but, you know, brain cells and cells that... And, and yeah, I mean, I love this. I, I, I can't wait to read your book. We're trying to bring healing back into healthcare, and uh, there's something I. Uh, I've had several of my friends, my very close friends over the past two years have lost their children. And I know I, I, I was looking at you, something you co-founded on Facebook called Sanctuary. And I'm really interested in finding out about it because it's a, a mo- is it like a memorial Facebook page? Yeah, I co-founded it um, really in my, the person that I brought on to really bring better content into it is Diane Gray. Diane is the, um, the director of the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation and an extraordinary woman whose son died at the age of 14 having had one of those awful neurological illnesses from the age of around three. So she really gets what it is to deal with uh, deaths and dying in palliative care and certainly um, moving into uh, handle uh, grieving. So, uh, so sorry, we're just transitioning telephones here because I think... Oh, your phone's dying? <laughs> How perfect! Yes, exactly. Oh you know, it's it's all energy. It's probably Dan tried to play a trick on you um, by by playing with your energy on the phone. We had plenty of batteries when we started, but um, anyway, Diane is a really exceptional person who I'd I'd really want you to to check out 
but we uh, started this this sanctuary, and it's it's a beautiful site. You go on when somebody has passed. You go on and bring your friends, and you can create memorials that are just going to make your heart happy. Um, I mean, as happy as you could be when you're sad. But you know, we we have to seek the joy in in the sorrow for sure. My book is called in the heart of life and it's from a, a Khalil Gibran quote which is you would seek the secrets of death but you will only find them in the heart of life so how do we get back into that heart of life that nurtures us and supports us after someone has passed well it's I think it's not by shutting that person out of our hearts and minds or not talking about them it's from me it's really celebrating that which made our, our us happy about their lives and ensuring that those who love that person can, can join together and, and share memories and stories and photographs. So it's sanctuary.com. You can go on and check it out. I, I love the site, and uh, I, I downloaded your book, and I started reading it, and I am, bar- I am absolutely going to buy it for my girlfriends, and I'm actually going to buy it for my 86-year-old dad because, you know, it's 30-some years later, and uh, he he's still, you know, every day, it was his, his only son, um, just as I know you feel it, it doesn't. Time doesn't make the pain go away, but um, I think being able to share other stories really help in the healing process. And I loved what you said. It's it's a disruptive book, and I love you're you're kind of like me. I, I don't tell people you don't. Everyone says, why do you give your book away? I say because I don't care whether you get money for the book. I want them to read it. You know, oh. you know, you don't have to think about. You don't have to buy it. And uh, dance your dance with love was the one thing that you said that is so was so beautiful that you know you can go through adversity in life but to be able to learn to dance again and to dance it with love um that's you know and that's really what it's all about is getting peace in your heart and for a lot of my friends who have gone through this over the past few years um it's finding that peace in their heart again it's the it's my prayer every night for my friends is that that you know someday they they can have peace in their heart and i think a lot of the work that you have done has created that place of peace and you're sharing it with the rest of the world and I applaud you for that because it could be very easy to retreat and withdraw within instead you've chosen to to really do the difficult work and put it out there and share it with everybody else so that for that I you know I'm I'm just blessed to have met you oh you're still kind you know the first thing we did was angel catcher a journal of loss and remembrance and Amy and I at two years after Dan's death were were still in such pain and so sad and we would um, call each other and say, gosh, you know, I can't quite remember the way his voice sounded or I'd, I'd, I'd forgotten that story, you know. And actually Amy called me one day just in despair and she said, I'm, 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 just, I'm just so upset because it, the memories are fading. And I looked around the room and there was an, uh, a dream catcher over my bed and I, it just triggered an idea. And I said, I know, Amy, you can, you can make an angel catcher. And she said, what's an angel catcher? And I said, um, 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 it's, it's, it's a book where you can capture the memories and, and pictures and uh, poetry and anything you want about Dan. So she came back from college with this sort of this book, which she called her angel catcher. And I thought, this could work. And so we did a proposal for Chronicle Books. And the woman who, whose desk it landed on had just lost her father. She burst into tears and commissioned the book. So it's a very, you know, it's online, uh, $15, but it's a journal of loss and remembrance. And that became the first in a series that we did, the Soul Catcher, which is capturing, your, trying to find your life's purpose. And then we did Love Catcher, which is 
got bringing more love in your life. And we're now, after we did the book, we both married amazing men. <laughs> <laughs> you manifested it, yeah. <laughs> but uh, just, uh, and we live on a beach in Malibu, so that really worked. But just to tell you too, right now I'm off on Friday to go to South Africa. Yeah where we're shooting the film about these young kids who went off to do something great in, uh, on an aid mission in Africa, and young journalists, and it's, it's the film that I've been trying to make for 22 years, so anybody who has a long-term goal, do not despair, just keep going. And we're doing it with Kweku Mandela, who's Nelson Mandela's grandson, and shooting in South Africa, and, and I'll be there for the next two months. So I'm glad we caught you before I caught, I caught got caught before I took off. You know, Kathy Beth says all the time there are no coincidences, and we see that so often on the show. I have a quick question for you. Um, are you doing any work with Claire Munn? Absolutely, she's a dear friend, and and in fact, I'm going to be probably seeing her later today. Do you know she was on the show? She was one of my very first guests. Oh, Claire is an, a dazzling soul and so she bright is. and so funny and so wonderful. Please t- please tell her I said hi. I will call her right now. <laughs> I t- actually, I told her you were going to be on the show, and I, I said to tune in if she could. Um, but she's oh. a busy lady as you. She's all over the world. Absolutely. Just back from Zimbabwe. Yeah. Listen, for the listeners, uh, Kathy, I, you do have a daughter, Amy, and I'd love for you to talk for a few minutes about her and the great work that she's doing. Um, she's certainly lucky to have you as a mom, and I think that the work she's doing is inspirational as well. Well, the funny thing is that after we did the book, we didn't, you know, we did Angel Catcher, So Catcher, Love Catcher, and we'd done a number of documentaries and a series together. But after we did Love Catcher, um, I was introduced to a man who he was very intrigued with, who lived in a house in Malibu, and he had a second house on the beach. He was renting to a film director who was doing the film National Treasure at the time. Well, my daughter Amy met the director, John Turtletaub, and she married him. I married the next-door neighbor, and we lived side-by-side on the beach in Malibu. Aww. It's crazy. And yeah. she, she and I um, work at our, the Dan Eldon Center for Creative Activism, which is the home of Creative Visions Foundation, which is in a big white building right in front of where we live on, on the Pacific Coast Highway. We welcome anybody to come and visit us. It's an extraordinary place, and Amy is the co-founder of Creative Visions she is the um, the real, uh, you know, life and soul, and I'm just so grateful. She just produced a, a third child, or the first granddaughter, Arabella Rose, um, about five months ago. So we have a wonderful, wonderful time together. Mm, you know, those those personal um, moments are really what matters most. You know, you're doing all of this great work and very, very busy, but having grandchildren is probably one of the best things you've ever experienced. Yeah, well, it's very funny. I, I, I dressed all up today, and I'm wearing a pretty burgundy. I actually somehow in my brain, I thought we were, you know, it was, <laughs> family was involved. So I'm wearing a very nice outfit. And the minute I, uh, Arabella was brought over, and she immediately spat up all over the shirt. So it's oh. got this lovely outfit with spots on it, but I covered it up with a necklace. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, they always bring us back to reality. We had hoped to have you in the studio. I really, uh, you know, I'm hoping that some sometime down the road when you make a visit to Philadelphia that, you know, we can have you on again. I will I love it. My husband's working on a project in Philadelphia. I may be coming out there um, 
Yeah, in October. So let's stay in close touch because I'd love to see the studio. And I'll be I'll be in Southern California several times this year. I do a lot of teaching and speaking. So uh, your invitation to show up on your doorstep and and Please. take me to the center it will happen Please. absolutely. I'll, I'll interview you. That's then I get to interview you. I love it. And I I was looking at your extraordinary moms. I was looking at that the documentary last night. Yes. And I mean, besides the fact that both you and Amy are extraordinary moms. Um, I, I loved when you started the, it was a, I guess it was a YouTube clip that I was looking at with the, you were like, does anybody know what this object is? The, the cook stoves to, 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 oh, yeah. to feed, to feed families. And the fact that, you know, the, the moms that you interviewed and the stories that were told, um, for our listeners, let them know a little bit about this. Cause this is something that I'm going to send this out to all of my sisters because we are extraordinary moms and we have, my mom is 90 years old with Alzheimer's and she is an extraordinary mom. So. Oh. Of course, yeah, boy, that's the that's the subject matter that really needs to be looked at right now in the world. Well, I, I, we did with Julia Roberts, co-producer, Hillary Clinton, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, uh, Christian Amanpour, and three amazing, less famous but just as extraordinary moms. We did a film for the Oprah Winfrey Network um, on Mother's Day, 2011, and it was such a privilege for me. Um, it led to Julia interviewing Hillary in the State Department in her office, and Julia asking to meet the president, and we got to meet the president the next day, <laughs> 45 minutes in, in the Oval Office, which was really one of, obviously, the highlight of, of, of one of my life. So I, I'm very privileged to be able to share stories. That's all, all I do. I'm not even a storyteller. I'm, I'm the, com- the communicator of stories, of other people's stories, very often. And I love that particular project because I think, as with the, along with the Dalai Lama, that the future will be held in the hands of Western women who really have the ability to teach our children um, the important issues and how to engage and how to really shift the, the, the future of our world, how to create a new sense of conscious being that that exists from a point of love, as you were saying, Beth, and and Sue. Um, so I'm 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 really honored, and I'm just so lucky to be able to do what I love. And I always encourage people to really go after that which makes your heart sing, and you know, do what you love, and the money will follow. Sometimes it's it's a very slow follower, but, but <laughs> do your best to be fulfilled, but be a co-creator of your life. Never feel as hard as it is to be in that box, in that cage, and I've been there, I understand it, it's in my book, In the Heart of Life, I know what it's like to be in the cage, but there is always a way to open the cage and a way to fly out of that particular cage, but find your wings, know that you can fly, know that you are free to soar, and just live life as fully as possible, and this is not a cliche, this is exactly why we're meant to be alive. I am one of my favorite quotes, and I write it in the front of my book very often, is when you follow your heart's passion, the universe will conspire in your favor. You know, it's Apollo Coelho quote, and it's very true because, you know, that there are too many people who have followed paths in their lives for money and end up very spiritually bankrupt along the way. And I have to tell you, if you could be in this room right now with these three beautiful young women who, as you're saying things, I look around and their eyes are filling with tears because you're touching their soul and you're giving, you know, you've, you've given three young women who are just about to embark on their careers 
um, kind of this like bird's eye view of sitting here and going, oh my God, this lady is amazing. And we were interviewed on the same show as her. And I get to tweet this out to all my friends. Um, oh man, I'm the lucky one. <laughs> and the two yeah. old bats are here as well. So after, after you're, after you're done your movie, um, about Dan, the journey is, the journey is the destination. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Is that, is yeah. that's the next, that this is your next project, correct? This is, this is, well, along with, you know, the foundation is just phenomenal what's happening with 74 current projects, and we're doing another, um, an educational project called Rock Your World, which is getting kids off their backsides to really learn about Love local that. global issues and yeah. create campaigns around them. So we, we, we're, but the Dan film right now, I really want it to be a vehicle of an ignition, a spark, uh, uh, to light fires, and you, you gorgeous women, girls in the women in the um, in the studio, check out uh, Dan, and then read up on 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 the film because we're going to be wanting to have you as the audience. It's a lot of very sexy, very gorgeous young people on safari. <laughs> and very young, true. Amazing. Yes, as was your exactly. son. Oh my goodness, what a handsome oh, well, young man. So Kathy, I would. We have about we have about one minute, and what is your what is your final one word of wisdom to everybody listening? <laughs> um, don't let any fears stop you from what you really want to do and be. That's beautiful. absolutely beautiful because you know fear paralyzes fear paralyzes people from moving into um, a space of of like really following their heart, and you just can't be afraid. You just have to do it. And um, I, I think there are three beautiful women here that are going to just go do it because um, they've been inspired by their year of service. And um, they've now been inspired by Kathy Eldon and Amy and really Dan Eldon. And I can't wait for you guys to learn his story because um, I have to tell you, I, I didn't know you before you were going to be on the show. And everybody that I talk to now is going to know who you are. Oh, thank you so much. Well, you're the the, the the absolute inspirers, and I can't wait to meet you in Philadelphia. And Take thank care. You so much. Thank That's, you, Kathy. Okay, That's care. it for Women Bye. to Watch. See you next week.